Hi, this is Andrew Kreisberg, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Cat Grant's mom is cast. Supergirl debuts in the UK, and we discuss Livewire. This is Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and in this episode of the podcast, we're coming to you live and wired to talk about the <laughs> season one episode of the show titled Livewire. I love how you did that. You know, I felt like a radio <laughs> voice might be appropriate for this episode. Totally. Uh, but before we get to any of that, we have... The news. Actress Joan Juliet Buck has been cast as Catherine Grant, the mother of Cat Grant. Uh, I know we've been excited about uh, (laughs) her on screen. Uh, She will be making an appearance in the episode titled Red Faced. I am super excited about this because I think I said in the first episode, in the pilot episode that we did of Supergirl Radio, well, (laughs) in the episode that we did of the pilot. Yes, I got to make that clear. That was a little confusing. Um, We talked about Cat Grant's mother a little bit because she was mentioned several times. So it's very (laughs) fun to know that we are going to get to know her. And I think it's interesting that her mother's name is Catherine. I assumed that Cat Grant's name was short for Catherine. Yeah. So I think that's really interesting. And and Catherine Grant, her mother, is spelled with a K. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm a little curious about the name situation. It'll actually be really interesting in light of uh, this episode that we're about to talk about because Kat's mother does come up. There's a lot of, you know, mother-daughter stuff and, and uh, you know, Kat being a mentor and all of that. So it'll be cool to see where all of that comes from finally. Yeah, apparently Kat's mom is not into flightless birds. <laughs> so I'm very, very excited to meet her. Um, well, according to digitalspy.com, Supergirl got off to a soaring start in the United Kingdom as it has become Sky One's highest rated series launch in nearly three years. So that's good news coming out of the UK. Yay, keep it up, UK. Um, as far as numbers here in the US, on November 10th, TVbythenumbers.com put out a list of CBS renewal and cancellation standings. And according to their findings, Supergirl was right behind the Big Bang Theory as a sure bet to be renewed by May 2016. So, uh, yeah, I've been hearing nothing but good things about Supergirl's ratings, especially once you factor in uh, the Live 3 and the Live 7 and DVR and all of that stuff. Um, people do really want to keep tabs on this show. Yeah, the 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 Live 7 numbers went up hugely for mm-hmm. the pilot. I mean, those those numbers skyrocket when you factor in all of that kind of stuff. And the fact that it's 
behind the Big Bang Theory on the renewal and cancellation standings. And TV, TVbythenumbers.com, I trust very uh, I, I trust them very much in terms of these statistics because they keep up with it all the time. And so for it to be behind the Big Bang Theory, which is like one of the biggest shows in TV um, and the biggest show, I think, on CBS, that's, that's mm-hmm. good news for Supergirl. Definitely. And I have to say, and not, not that it's a competition um, because I love all of my DC TV shows, <laughs> um, but no matter what list you're looking at, Supergirl is doing better than Gotham. Um, so I'm throwing that down, <laughs> throwing down that gauntlet. Um, yeah, that, no. is, that is, that is true. Um, in, especially in the demo, uh, I've seen, and I think it's, it's interesting with Gotham though, like they have a steady base, a steady, they've kind of found, oh, yeah. they've found their fans. So I'm hoping that Supergirl's numbers will kind of even out a little bit. I think they've started to. So, uh, so it, it'll be good to see like, here's, here's your fan base. Here's where things lie. Cause that's, that's important to the network too, to be consistent. Definitely. And P.S. I watch both shows. Oh, so I do too. Don't, don't get it twisted. We love us some Gotham over here. Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> Just, I'm a weekly caller on Legends of Gotham. So <laughs> if you want to hear me ramble about uh, Bruce Wayne's turtlenecks, feel free. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, that's what you're going to find over there. So, yeah, I, I love Gotham as well. Definitely. But it's it's just cool to see, like, as a new show, like, the reason why I'm so, you know, the reason why I mentioned it at all is because Supergirl is the new kid on the block. So sure. it's good to see that she's coming out so strong. Yeah, and she's doing well against um, reality TV shows, which is a big yes. deal, especially competition shows. Uh, that's very difficult to beat in television. Totally. Well, uh, let's get right into our discussion of this week's episode of Supergirl titled Livewire. Um, now, originally, this was uh, Livewire was supposed to be episode five, but due to the recent tragic events in Paris, um, CBS decided to replace the episode that was originally going to be airing this week called How Does She Do It? Um, due to the sensitive content of that episode, um, it included some some uh, events that are kind of similar. And so they wanted to stay away from that. So in its place, uh, the network uh, jumped ahead an episode and uh, aired Livewire. And here's the official description of that. Kara's Thanksgiving may be ruined when she suspects her foster mother, Dr. Danvers, who is coming to town, disapproves of her new role as a superhero. Also, when an accident transforms a volatile Catco employee into the villainous Livewire, she targets Cat and Supergirl. Britt Morgan guest stars as Leslie Willis slash Livewire, and Helen Slater guest stars as Dr. Eliza Danvers. There's so many fun things in this episode. Um, and I have to say, Livewire has always been one of my favorite DC villains. And Britt Morgan as her, you know, let's talk about her performance and, and what we think of that. How do you uh, think Britt did as uh, Livewire in this episode? Yeah, I thought she really captured the shock jock thing uh, that she needed to get across. I mean, she was pretty nasty on her her radio show when they were all listening to it. At, at one point, she starts talking about, like, the chastity belt of steel, and I was like, whoa, okay, yeah. T- T- <laughs> TMI. Um, but she she was the right kind of nasty. The, you know, she was really kind of going after Supergirl, and I thought that was on point for Leslie Willis, and I really liked 
her uh, her kind of punk rock look. She had those distressed mm-hmm. jeans with the leather jacket, and I, I thought that was great because that sort of says a lot about her character and kind of you know kind of where she comes from and kind of what she's still representing, like the the shock jock nature of what she does, but also kind of how she wants to go after people, and she's kind of um, I, I don't want to say. Uh, lower class but she you know she has some problems with other people and she's kind mm-hmm. of anta- antagonistic so i i liked her costuming and it sort of reflected uh live wires costume the the black yeah. and the blue color scheme so i i thought she was great i thought she handled the electrical effects very well i um i thought she was scary uh one of my favorite sequences in the whole episode is when she comes out of the monitors and cat grant's beautiful wall of monitors (laughs) um i was so worried about them i thought they were gonna break but when she comes out of the monitors and she's been threatening cat and cara in the office through the monitors and she comes out and that whole sequence i thought was really terrifying because it was dark and they were kind of on their own and she was just i thought she was the right level of scary and i really enjoyed her in this episode definitely i i agree with all that and um one of the things too that i really loved about uh morgan's performance is that uh, she balanced all of that stuff, the shock jock and the, you know, the villainous side of things with a a kind of uh, more vulnerable thing going on, too, because she seemed to be the kind of person who does the shock jock thing because she knows it'll get ratings and she knows she's good at it. But I don't think she actually like she kind of always was also looking to cat for approval mm-hmm. and she kind of like had this, she kind of felt like the bad kid who's, who's trying really hard, but you know, is always getting into trouble. Like that's what she kind of seemed like when she was talking to cat, it was this, well, you let me do this. So I do it. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not like, you know, I want to do this. It's the cat was encouraging her to do that. And we can certainly talk about cat later. Cause I think this is an amazing episode for cat, yes. but, um, with, Livewire with Leslie Willis, she seems to be the kind of person who, despite being a shock jock, actually has some good qualities to her, too. Like when she gets demoted to being the traffic copter um, she still She still did her job. Yeah, she was willing to do it. She was like, you know what? I, she wants me to do traffic copter. I'm yep. going to do traffic copter. And she, and she did it. And so, yeah, I, I loved how uh, Morgan's performance kind of balanced those two sides of her. She felt very human and very real. And um, and yeah, the look was great. I saw a lot of complaining or not a lot of complaining, but I did see some complaining about the look, especially over at the Mary Sue. I saw a couple of people, you know, kind of writing that like, you know, oh, they didn't really try with her, you know, the spiky blue hair and the outfit. And I'm like, that's cause no real person would look like that. Like yeah. that's, you can't, you can't emulate that in life. And like, I mean, you could, but it would look stupid. And, the, and we're seeing her at a point where she just got these powers. Um, yeah. But who knows? The DEO has her now. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that she might come back. She oh, might escape I hope so. somehow. Because so. um, she's still and, alive. Yeah, she's still alive. It's just she's in DEO um, uh, detention. So, like, you know, hopefully at some point down the line we might see her again. And maybe she'll have a different look at that point. Who knows? Yeah, I actually liked her. I, I like the f- fact that they made the effort to change her hair color. Mm -hmm. and make her appearance different from what she was before the lightning strike. Mm -hmm. So I, even if they couldn't do the full on 
look of like say the animated series or in the comics they they tried to make her look transformed in a way yes. well and I, I love too that they actually did go with the because I think we talked about this in our episode in our spotlight episode about Livewire like wondering whether or not they were going to reflect her powers in the same way and have her be able to travel through power lines and you know yes. through outlets and stuff and that the fact that she was able to do that and that they kept true to that and made it look really good oh, uh, was also awesome um, I loved watching you could kind of see her traveling through the different monitors yes and just watching that happen I was like that was pretty amazing. I think my favorite way she traveled through the electrical lines was like when Cat kind of was cornering her in her old, you know, hangout or whatever where where it all began. Uh, when Cat's waiting for her, you kind of see it, see the electrical power kind of trickle down the power line, and then she shows up. And I was like, ooh, that's good because the yeah. music. <laughs> I, I felt like. Livewire had her own sort of musical theme because every time she did do that thing where the electrical current was coming, you could hear this uh, certain little bit of music. So I thought that was great. And yeah, I mean, it perfectly captured the way she kind of went through all the computer monitors and everything. And uh, yeah, I thought, I thought all of that was great. And I loved that they chose to have all of her fights in the dark. Like, um, yeah. in Cat Grant's office, all the power has gone out. Um, when they have the big battle at the end with when Supergirl put, put you know, <laughs> pours water on her, that's all done <laughs> at night. And I think that was a really smart choice because it allows them to show off the blue of the electricity more. And I really love that. The, the color that they used for that, it was just, it was beautiful and it looked great. So uh, I, I thought that was a really smart choice to have everything be at night so you could see everything better. Yeah, and I, I love the, uh, the electric whips. The uh, When she was whipping her around with the uh, – that looks really, really good. And it kind of reminded me of uh, Iron Man 3 a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little um, bit of oh, whiplash. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but it looked really, really good. Uh, I rewatched the Superman animated series episode Livewire, and there were a lot of similarities. And I thought it was great because I was sort of watching this episode thinking, this really kind of feels like an animated episode. And there's a reason for it because they, they did a really great job of putting little – they sort of – I don't want to say ripped off, but they paid homage to a lot of things that happened in that episode, like mm-hmm. um, how Leslie gets shocked at the same time as Supergirl. That is very similar to how Livewire is born in the animated series because this is a similar thing with Superman, uh, the way we talked about how she travels through the electrical lines and the wall outlets. Um, and even the thing where she's speaking through the monitors is very similar to what they did in that episode. Um, one instance comes to mind, like Lois and Perry are at the Daily Planet and they see live wire up on the big screens there. Um, the power goes out in Metropolis and in National City, so that's very similar. And what I thought was really cool was that Livewire in the Superman, the animated series version of her origin, she calls herself the queen of all media. But in this episode of huh. Supergirl, Kara calls Cat the queen of all media. So I thought that was a cool little bit that they, they sort of twisted it a little bit um, to where he, <laughs> the media queen was a different person. Uh, which was very fitting for Kat. So I, I liked that. And even, I mean, the obvious way to stop the live wires with the water. We've seen that in Girls' Night Out and in the yep. live wire episode. So I, I enjoyed all of the homages 
to the Superman the Animated Series episode because that's where Livewire comes from. That's yeah. uh, where that's she was her, that is where she was originated. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, it's it, it goes to show how much uh, this team has done their homework and and uh, that this the show really does feel like they've been paying attention and that they're they're honoring the source material. It's really cool. Yeah, let's talk about. Uh, her relationship with Cat Grant, because I think it's interesting how Cat uh, approaches mentoring. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I thought it was awesome, too, that Cat took responsibility for Livewire, because as we were talking about before, uh, Leslie was kind of a protege to Cat. And Kat kind of, you know, she says, I found you in that rinky dink radio station, built you up, and, you know, I'm usually mostly proud of that or something like that Um, and brought her up in the business to be this kind of shock jock, mean girl kind of person. Um, And it's interesting to see Kat now, you know, regretting that Um, because when she talks to Kara about it, she says, you know, Livewire happened long before she got struck by lightning. You know, I, I helped create that. And she's kind of second guessing it because she sees that like, hey, maybe there's another approach. Maybe there's a different way to be um, and you can get to the top and not have to stomp on everybody to get there. Yeah. Part of that to me, I think, is Kat being selfish because she talks about how she's trying to create or cultivate a relationship with Supergirl. And so Mm -hmm. she doesn't want someone within her company bad-mouthing this thing that could make her a lot of money. <laughs> oh, of course, of but, course, yeah. But I think we do see a change in Kat by the end of the episode where she's like, you know, we really should be more positive and uplifting and talk about what people are doing, you know, for the other people in the city. And uh, we should do, you know, a, a photo essay or whatever she calls it uh, to to represent what how people are helping other people uh, yeah, for Thanksgiving. And so I think you see a change in her from a personal level that comes out into her career. And so I think that's really fascinating because I think, like you said, you know, she she encouraged Leslie to be snarky and mean. And I think at one point that's probably how Kat was because when, you know, we first meet cat in the pilot episode she's she's kind of like that even with her article about supergirl she's kind of cutting and and snarky and mean so i think that is really interesting that she did sort of take responsibility for what leslie becomes yeah and and she i think the turning point was definitely her making the connection to the way her mother treated her mm. um when she's talking to Kara about that she she you know acknowledges that the reason why she pushes other people and that's how she sees it she sees it as as pushing people to be their best or yeah. to you know live up to their potential it's because her mother always quote pushed her um but her mother seemed to have been really hard on her to the point where she needs therapy and you know <laughs> to go to sushi with her so um you know, it's not exactly, it doesn't sound like the healthiest relationship. And I think she's acknowledging that and realizing that like, whoa, I've picked this up for my mother. If I don't like my mother doing this to me, maybe I should kind of let up a little bit on the people I'm trying to push because it can go horribly wrong. Whereas somebody like Kara, you know, I think it, it was an interesting contrast between somebody like Leslie and somebody like Kara. You could see the difference in, you know, the difference personality makes. 
um, Livewire gets powers and she immediately wants to hold on to her grudge and go after these people that, you know, or this person who fired her and kind of make her pay because that's the person she's kind of become even before the powers. Whereas Kara, you know, even though she's lost her planet, she, you know, she comes to this new place where she doesn't know anybody. She's dropped off with a foster family. She has every right to be a little bit mean and a little bit like, you know, I have all this power. I could hurt people, but she doesn't. Right. Um, Because she's the kind of person who wants to help and wants to be kind. So it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition between those two characters as to like, you know, powers mean nothing. It's it's like the person you are and what you do with them that matters. Oh, exactly. And I I liked the contrast between Kat and Leslie and Kat and Kara's relationship in this episode. Mm -hmm. And I think that Kat, in some respects, she's a mentor, but she's also a little bit of a maternal figure, I think, to both of these women in a way. Um, because, totally. because she, you know, she takes them in, she teaches them things and she tries to protect them. And I love this scene in the hospital with Kat, you know, she, she sends Cara out of the room yes. to, to leave. And when she's there by herself with Leslie, she's like trying to get her to fight and, you know, get better and and um survive this thing that has happened to her and i thought that was really interesting and it showed a different side of cat that even as mad as she probably was at leslie and even as guilty as she felt about what had happened to her she was still cheering for her to be alive and be okay she was concerned about her and so i think to see the way she tries to help both of these these two figures in her life who who do make different choices i i thought that was really a good contrast because we we saw even how she was maternal towards Kara, you know kind of taking an interest in her life and trying to protect her i thought all of that was so great definitely and and i have to you know i can't say enough about um Calista Flockhart's performance uh, as Kat, uh, watching her over the course of these episodes, um, she's doing a lot of great work with very subtle looks and very like, you know, it's it's almost like I love watching her face when she's not talking mm-hmm. um, because she's usually saying something snarky and it's like, oh, God, there's Kat again. But then like <laughs> once she's done saying it, there's always this look like she doesn't really mean it or like she like she's trying to cover up some emotions or she's, you know, trying to to not make it a big deal, but she's really feeling something. And that scene in the hospital, yeah, it was a perfect example of, uh, you know, she she sends Kara out of the room and you expect her to kind of, you know, she's going to be like, oh, I, I hope you get better. You know, I hope you whatever. But that's not even how she does it. Like, she doesn't express herself that way. It's yeah. it, even by herself. It's very, come on, get up. Like, <laughs> like, like she's a coach, you know, yeah, like yeah. more, <laughs> but you still see in her face that she didn't want Kara to see how much she cares. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, I think that I just love uh, Flockhart's performance as she's been playing this part, and I think this was her best episode so far. Yeah, she even does that a little bit with the scene with Kara, which I really loved that scene because it was so quiet. It was just mm-hmm. it was just the two of them talking. There wasn't anything crazy going on. You know, there was no hustle and bustle of the office. It was just the two of them talking. And I I thought it was funny that when Kara tells Kat that she has a foster mother, 
Uh, yes. Cat's like, oh, that's mildly intriguing. Yeah. And, you know, she... I guess for the first time, maybe like, you know, she's, she's using Kara or Kara, as she says, to go Ah. and get her lunch and do all of these things that she needs to do. But I kind of felt like in that scene, she started to see Kara as a person, like an actual person who has feelings and things going on. And I liked that they could connect over the fact that they were both having problems in their family. But I, I thought in that scene, Kat actually, felt some sympathy for Kara, you know, when Kara tells her that her parents passed away when she was 13 in a fire, which technically I guess is true. It's true. It was just a big fire that was planet-sized. An explosion. Um, but I, I thought that was very telling that she she did, I think, feel something for Kara on on an emotional level for her. And I, so I, I really, I do think Callista do, is doing some very layered stuff in this role and I'm, I'm very excited about Kat because she's she's just been so good especially in this episode she really really has and uh and I I also loved how she responded to uh Kara telling her about her foster parents and um and yeah by the end of the episode she she even tells her you know I don't know that much about you and I should like um, I mean, she doesn't even know Wynn's name. Like, she's like, what's a Wynn? <laughs> like, she has no idea who that is. And he sits, like, in front of her assistant every day. Um, well, but- now, I have a question about that for you, because this is something I've been thinking about. If she doesn't know who Wynn is, does that sort of justify how she wouldn't connect Supergirl and Kara? Um, Like, is she that oblivious to everything? I mean... I think it's a little different in Kara's case just because she is always interacting with Kara. Like, Wynn is the person you call when there's a problem with your computer. Right. Other than that, she doesn't have any interaction with him. And she doesn't even really have any interaction with him. Kara deals with Wynn. So she has no reason to deal with Wynn. Like, it's it's understandable if she has no idea who he is. <laughs> and she's not the exactly the most thoughtful person. So she wouldn't take the time to know him if she didn't have to. Right. Um, whereas with Kara, she's seeing her every day. Like, Kara sits across from her all the time. They have conversations every single day. She looks at her face every day. <laughs> and I'm like, come really? Gl- like, the glasses are not. But I think it's it just goes back to what Hank Henshaw said uh with regard to, you know, people don't – was it Hank or was it Wynn? I forget now. Uh, who's, who brought up the idea that, like – no, it was James. Yeah, I think you're talking <laughs> about James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was James because obviously it's related to Superman. So uh, when James said that, you know, people don't, you know, see what's right in front of them. They can't handle the idea that somebody they know could do something great. Um, so she's probably so used to seeing Kara in that context. It's like when you see, like, if you know, have a friend from school or something or from a job where you're used to seeing them in a uniform and then you see them on the street, you might not recognize them in their regular clothes. Um, and then they come up to you and they say hi and it takes you a second. Like, oh yes, I know you from that thing. Like, it's, it's kind of similar, I guess. Um, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to make her not as oblivious (laughs) Well, because I thought it was interesting in this episode, she got a lot of FaceTime with both Kara and Supergirl. Yeah. Um, So I I started to kind of wonder, like, does does 
does she maybe know? Because, like, in the hospital, when Kara says, you know, Supergirl must feel terrible. Because, <laughs> you know, yeah. Kara was legitimately feeling that, probably. Yeah. And and Kat was really encouraging to Kara about Supergirl. Like, why would she feel like that? It's not her fault. She saved the pilot and made sure that the helicopter didn't crash and got Leslie to the hospital. She shouldn't feel bad for that. So I, I sometimes wonder if Kat is encouraging and saying nice things about Supergirl to Kara because maybe she knows. I don't know. I, it's it's, it's had, a mystery to me. Yeah, no, I, I no, I, it's, it's totally understandable because I've had the same thought since they did their interview. Like the, she gets the, her interview with, with Supergirl and she says, she's like, it's you. And then she goes, mm. oh, I'm sorry. Hello, Supergirl. Like, and for a split <laughs> second, I thought she was like pretending not to know, but she knew exactly who it was. It was Kara. And then at the end of the interview, she made it seem like she didn't know that it was Kara. So I was very confused by that. And ever since then, I'm kind of like, does she know? And she's just like playing along with not knowing just to not, you know, share her secret right or does she genuinely not know and she's completely oblivious i have no idea um, i think it's something to watch out for because sometimes i think there may or may not be a hint in there somewhere yeah no and and we'd love to hear what what you listeners out there think uh <laughs> drop us a comment and let us know if you think cat actually knows and is playing along or if she's genuinely oblivious now <laughs> i definitely want to get into the the family stuff um, cause there is some awkward mm-hmm. family shenanigans going on. Um, and I was so thrilled because finally we get some serious Helen Slater time. Oh yeah. And it's interesting because the way that this is set up, we now know that, uh, we're pretty much going to be relegated to seeing Dean Kane in flashbacks mm. as far as we know so far. Right. Um, <laughs> cause there is an opening cause we, you know, um, we had a mysterious death. Yes, exactly. And and now that uh, the episode ended with Kara and Alex kind of having a new mission of finding out what happened to him, anything can happen. But sure. for right now, it's like uh, Eliza Danvers is the one that's like around for them to talk to. Mm-hmm. And so what did you think about uh, Helen Slater's appearance and the dynamic between the three of them? I thought Helen Slater was great in this episode because it showed how – good of an actress she is because at the beginning I was like I don't like you right now Helen Slater you are being really hard on Alex and I don't know if I like your character because (laughs) you're being really unfair to her but she played that part so well because that is what I think we were supposed to feel Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah because I think we were supposed to feel sad for Alex because she had a lot of insecurities about her her place in her mother's heart, I guess, in some ways. And so I, I, I liked the idea that I kind of didn't like Helen Slater because in some ways that showed off just, you know, how good she is in yeah. the whole acting thing. Um, but I, I thought the, the mommy issues were very interesting in this episode. And I, I don't know if this is something that you have experienced before. And I don't know if this is something that a lot of guys hear, but I thought it was really funny that Eliza tells Alex, you look a little tired. 
Yeah. And um, I immediately took that as an insult. And I think Alex did too. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, (laughs) I wondered because, you know, she's, she's, you know, saying all these glowy things about Kara. She's like, oh, you always looked great in blue. And she's like, Alex, you look a little tired. Yeah. And I, I was curious about whether or not that was just like a Southern thing. Like in the Southern United States, we, we sometimes are a little insulty to one another. Um, but, you know, in a real Southern way that's, you know, genteel. Um, <laughs> but but uh, I looked it up because I was curious if it was something that is a universal thing that everybody kind of takes that as an insult. And I actually found that there was a study, I think it was in 2013, there was a study from researchers um, at the, the University of Stockholm who confirmed that sleep-deprived people are perceived as less attractive, less healthy, and sadder. <laughs> um, so it is a proven insult that when someone says you look tired, that means you are not attractive and you don't look healthy and you look yeah. sad. So, <laughs> so, oh, yeah. So apparently that is not just a Southern thing. And I was like, man, I can't believe she said that to her. So <laughs> there, there were little things like that in the episode that I thought were very telling about their relationship. Yeah, no, and and that's totally a universal thing, and it's 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 very much a passive aggressive mom thing. Yeah, because um, I know you know, and I I had a great you know relationship with my mom. I know a lot of women who have great relationships with their mothers, but mother daughter relationship is also very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there, um, and I'm just like I'm sure the relationship between dads and their sons is complicated for, for various reasons. Like moms do tend to be the hardest on you because they want you. It's, it's the whole pushing you to succeed, right? Like they, they're telling you this cause they, they genuinely believe it's going to help, but they're trying to, like, but they say it in like the meanest way possible. Like, Oh, you're going to wear that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> y- yes, I'm, I'm wearing yes, it right now. That That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> That's what I'm. That's why I'm wearing it. It's because I'm gonna wear that. <laughs> um, why are you saying it like that? Stop it. Um, but yeah. So I lo- I loved the the relationship there, and I have to say also shout out to Kyler Lee. I Yo, thought she was time. also amazing in this episode because she really was not like from the beginning. From the second she calls Kara, and Kara's like fighting that uh, that alien at the DEO and <laughs> talking talking to uh, Alex on the phone at the same time. Um, from the second she calls Kara to say, hey, I need you here because mom's coming, already she's antsy. She's agitated. She yeah. can't – like she can't even handle that her mother's coming because there's this – you know, and, and it was like under her skin and you could see it just like all the time. She was just annoyed by the – by her mother's presence and just having her there is a big hassle. And um, that – oh, speaking of uh, passive-aggressive lines, the other one that I loved was uh, – when they're at dinner and Alex is just drinking all the wine because she <laughs> she has to drink all the wine to get through this. And I think uh, Eliza says something like, well, you sure are getting happy or something like that. Like happy being a euphemism for wine yeah. or for drunk. Yeah. Like, like, oh, well, you're very happy this evening, aren't you? Right, right. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I am. I wonder why. Um, and, and Kyler Lee really pulled that the whole performance off from beginning to end really, really well. I loved it. And it felt very familiar to me, like all the times that I was ever mad at my mom. And she just like rubbed me the wrong way. And she was just saying all the wrong stuff. And it's family dinner and you're trying to pull it together and you can't. And it's like, I just want to rip your head off 
or run away or both. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it felt very real to life, like when they're arguing and Alex is trying to convey her feelings about the situation to her mother and her mother says, Oh, you know, this is what I think you're saying. And Alex is like, that's what you got out of this. Like I I've been in conversations like that. Like, no, no, let's focus on what I'm trying to tell you that that's not what I'm trying to tell you. So I think those kinds of things were very real. And I appreciated that they kind of at the end of the episode, that, you know, I, I started off the episode not liking Helen Slater's character. I was like, I, 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 don't, I don't like you. Um, and by the end of it, I, I felt like she and Eliza and Alex kind of came to an understanding in a, in a real way to where I think Eliza realized that she was always caring about Alex by caring about Kara, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. And so at the end, she finally realizes... I need to, when I want to focus on Alex, I need to focus on Alex. And mm-hmm. I, I thought that was really great. It's funny because I've also been on Kara's side of that equation when like your your parents and your siblings are having an issue and you want to be the peacemaker. Oh, and you're like, so hey, let's uh, talk about something else, right? Huh? Let's let let's everybody get happy and cheer up. So that was also very true to life. Um, which, is poor- so, which is so hard because – you can't fix it. You know, if you're in the middle mm-hmm. of that, you can you can never fi- like those two people that you're dealing with have to fix it themselves. They have yep. to deal with it themselves and work out their issues and that's what Alex and her mother were able to do. Kara could fix it, but Alex and Eliza had to come to an understanding. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was just going to say poor Win. Um, getting suckered into this dinner. And obviously he was very happy to be there for many reasons, not the least of which is that he gets to be in in Kara's apartment. But to have to deal with somebody else's family drama is not fun. Um, Although he has plenty of his own, as I'm sure we will come to see soon. But I have to say the one thing that that just – rubbed me the wrong way this whole and kind of it was the one dark spot on an otherwise great episode was in the scene where Kara and Alex are having their like reconciliation scene the music that they chose and normally I'm like on board with their music choices they've been having like the montage with the poppy you know like hit me with your best shot or like you know whatever and they pick take me to church and that is a that's a sex song. Like it's, that is, a you know, the first line is my lover's got humor and it just goes straight to sex town from there. Yeah. And like the fact that they're, they're listening to a cover of that song while this mother daughter scene is happening. I was like, who picked this music? What yeah. is happening? I can't listen to this and watch the scene at the same time. So somebody fell off in the music department. I'm sorry, but that was the one bad part about this episode. And I was like, mm. yeah, somebody, it, Somebody at CBS messed up on that music choice. Yeah, I don't know exactly. I mean, it, it was a nice cover. Um, it was. It was a, in a different scene. It would have been great, but you don't put that in the mother-daughter but, reconciliation. Yeah, it, it sort of reminds me of REM's "Losing My Religion." Like yeah. that song is not actually about losing my religion. It's about right. having a crush on somebody, and yes. so I think a lot of people misinterpret things sometimes. Yeah. So I think that may be what happened in that case, and it's it's kind of weird to think about it now. Like, oh, what you know? Let's think about the content of "Take Me to Church," and then think about the scene it was used in, where it was 
in a dark apartment with candles lit. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> like what? It was, kind of, it was creepy. And then yeah. she, she puts her hand on her face and says, you've always been my super girl. And I was like, stop it. I can't. This is getting <laughs> really a, creepy. It's really a weird. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, man. So I loved that scene. I just wish I could take that song out. So if somebody can make that happen for like the Blu-ray DVD digital release, like, please change that song out and put yeah, something else there. Yeah, a little awkward. Um, yes. But on a happier note, the rest of the episode was great and their relationship was great. And uh, uh, I do want to get into the Danvers because I thought the flashbacks were really fun. Um, uh, what are your thoughts about the uh, the flashbacks to the young Kara and Alex? Yeah, I thought they were great. And I liked that they acted like kids, that they, <laughs> you know, they snuck out of the house and did something they weren't supposed to do. And then they came home and they got busted for it. So I, I really enjoyed that. And I liked seeing it on a sisterly level that we we did get to see that Kara had flown before in the pilot she makes a mention of i think i can fly you know because i i used to but i haven't done it in a while that kind of thing and so i i liked that she shared that with alex that it wasn't just something hey look at what i can do she took alex along with her to fly and i have to say that as far as these relationships being really true to life the the thing that also stuck out at me was the whole like a lot of the stuff that Alex gets in trouble for is stuff that Kara does. <laughs> yeah. And it's stuff that Kara decides to do. And, you know, I, I'm two of my best friends are sisters. It's a set of sisters that I've, I've known since I was like six. And that was, you know, the younger sister, you know, would do stuff. And the older sister was the, old, the one who, you know, would get in trouble a lot of the time. And so, uh, it's funny because that happens because you're the oldest, so you're supposed to know better. Mm-hmm. So even though you're trying to like let your younger sister be herself and and be her own person, because you can't like you know always tell somebody what to do, like th- that that younger sibling isn't always you know held responsible for the things they do, and that must be very frustrating for an older <laughs> an older sibling. I wouldn't know because I'm the youngest, but um, <laughs> I'm sure that you know my brother and sister might have gotten in trouble when they were watching me if I did something wrong. I'm sure they got to hear about it. Well, and what's remarkable about Alex is that in those flashbacks, she takes responsibility for Kara. You know, she and she owns up to, you know, she's like, I'm sorry, mom. You know, I I recognize this is something we shouldn't have done. And then even when they send the the girls up to their rooms so that they don't, you know, they don't superhear into the conversation uh, with the people at the, the front door, the DEO agents at the front door. Eliza says, you know, don't let her use her super hearing. And Alex says, I, you know, I won't, she won't, mom. So I thought it was great because you could see even then Alex was looking out for Kara and was trying to do everything she could to protect her. And I like seeing that because it shows that how dedicated Alex is to Kara and their mm-hmm. relationship has just been so solid, even since they were kids. And I, th- I think that's really fun to see because you can tell that there's, um, even when they're the adult versions, you can tell that there's a lot of history and a lot of love there. Yeah. And I think the, the other thing too, that, um, cause yes, we do see that love between those sisters. And at the same time, you do see why, you know, adult Alex is so resentful is because that's, a, that is a lot to put on a 13 year old oh, girl. Sure. 
And so, you know, you see her kind of internalize that when she's a kid and she's like, yep, I understand. I did. I did wrong. I have to keep an eye on her and stuff. And by the time she's older, she's like, wait a minute. Why were you asking a 13 year old to to take on this kind of responsibility? Like that can't you know, that's not okay. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like it's one thing to look after your sister and, and, you know, to love her and take care of her as best you can. But, you know, keeping this kind of a big secret and taking on all of this stuff at such a young age. That's a lot to ask. And I don't think that was entirely fair either. And I think we saw that too. Oh, so, um, well, yeah, because Alex is basically like a third mother. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's Allura who Kara lost on Krypton. Then there's Eliza. Um, and then Alex is like, sometimes like when my, I, when I think of my brother, I, I think of how much responsibility has been put on him since my father died in 2006. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, because, you know, he's kind of had to, to, to be the man of the family who looks after my mom and who looks after me. And so I, you know, sometimes it feels like some, sometimes I think he thinks he has to kind of, and I, I never expect this of him, but you know, he, he sort of kind of, looks after me like a parental figure sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's just what big brothers and big sisters do. They kind of take on uh, a maternal or a paternal uh, side of things, even if <laughs> even if they are just the brother and sister. I think there some, sometimes there's something more to that when you're a big brother or a big sister. Oh, totally. Like, <laughs> you just made me think of... Um, uh, before my dad passed away, he had uh, dementia and he was in uh, a nursing home. And my brother, this is when I first moved to Los Angeles. And so I'm taking this big step. I'm moving across the country. And my brother, like, pulled me aside and he, like, gave me $100 in my hands. Like, he he had it folded up and he just, like, slipped it into my hand when nobody was looking. Hmm. And I was like, that's such a dad thing to do. Yeah. Like, like here, make sure you have some money. I know you're, you know, going on this big trip and – whatever. And I just want to make sure you're okay. And I was like, Oh my God, that's so like, <laughs> that's so sweet. And, and, and also so like, so parental. Um, yeah. and my sister is always playing mom to me, like <laughs> always, <laughs> always, always. Um, but yeah, no, that's, uh, I mean, just the fact that we can talk like this about situations from our own lives, like shows how well the show is painting their relationship. Like it's, this is all like very good, very real lived in stuff. And I was thinking about how, I guess, was it around Comic Con when Allie Adler talked about the writer's room and how like it was kind of split up, you know, men and women, like there were a lot of uh, female input into the show. Mm-hmm. And as I was watching this, I, I could sense that, like I, I can sense that there is a lot of, I don't want to say like a feminine touch, but you can just there there is a relationship between women that i I think is very um, somebody writing these episodes and kind of having input into what's happening on screen definitely knows what those relationships are like, and so I think that's what makes it feel so real definitely, and a lot of it is universal, like that you know like I said, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, like it's a lot of the same stuff, but it just looks different yeah and that's and true. so th- having the female voices in the room allows you to see what that looks like in a feminine way. You know what I mean? Um, Which is important for a show like Supergirl. (laughs) And also, you know, uh, I do want to talk about Dean Cain, about Jeremiah Danvers, because he actually 
ends up kind of being the hero of the episode in a in an interesting way. Very much so. Um, because he, uh, as we now know, um, both he and Eliza had known about the DEO's existence and had had dealings with Hank Henshaw back in the day. <laughs> so, um, you know, now they want to take Kara, uh, DEO at the time when they were, you know, when the girls were little, wanted to take Kara because they wanted to study somebody who was like Superman. Um, and so instead of, uh, rather than having them take her, Jeremiah offers himself up and he says, look, I studied Superman. <laughs> yeah, you he can know, have- Dean Cain knows everything about Superman. <laughs> that's, my girlfriend and I were watching uh, this episode and that's like, we both kind of said that at the same time. Like, of course he knows everything about Superman. Um, but yeah, no, that was, that was pretty funny. And also, yeah, like he, he gave himself up. He gave up his... Uh, his all the work he'd done, he offered his services and all to keep Kara safe and having a normal childhood, which I thought was pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I like that he was willing to do that, even if that might cost him, you know, his his home life or whatever. Like, I don't know exactly what that entailed for Jeremiah. Did that mean he had to leave his family? You know, what what did lead to what led to his quote death i'm not i'm not entirely gonna he's say he's not dead i'm not gonna say he's dead you know no body no death so until i see jeremiah's dead body i'm not gonna believe it and you know what even then because on a show like this you know all they have to do is go over to uh to nanda parbat and uh <laughs> stick him in some water at the we, lazarus we can bit. we can make it happen superman yeah, came no. back from the dead um so i i don't know what his dealings with the DEO, like what that sacrifice, you know, what the total of that was, but it seemed like it, he was paying a big price. So I I definitely did think that was awesome that he got to play the hero there. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, now it seems like that's going to be kind of guiding the rest of the season is, Mm -hmm. is their search for the truth about what happened to uh, their dad. So yeah, this is all very exciting stuff. Uh, what do you think of the episode overall? Like, what are your general thoughts? What did you like? What didn't you like? As far as it relates to you know the other episodes that we've seen so far, etc. This has been my favorite episode of the show so far. Like, mm. th- this is the episode that I'm going to rewatch a gazillion times. Um, I loved it that much, and I I think a, a large part of it was just because it really focused on the women of this show. And I, I think that is so, it feels unique to me. I don't know. I mean, I know there are shows like Girls out there, um, you know, and like uh, Orange is the New Black, where there's like a heavy female cast. So I, I know this isn't the only show on television that has that kind of atmosphere within their story but this just felt so unique uh, for a superhero show I guess that you know the the fem- the villain was a female the hero is a female there were all the the concentrations of all the female relationships within the different scenes so I really enjoyed this one just because it focused a lot on that you know you had Wen and James in there but they were kind of peripheral and now I wouldn't want that in every episode I, I want right, to see right. I want to see more of James and I want to see more of Wen 
um, and Wynn particularly is kind of winning me over each episode. He he did. Um, he was he was better in this episode than he ever has been. And and I liked James in this episode too. So I I do like the men on this show. And Hank Henshaw is still a mystery that it needs to be unraveled. But I I really liked the relationships of the women in this particular episode. And it actually made me think about something you've said, Teresa, before on the podcast about how women strive for community with each other and mm-hmm. I, th- I thought that was on display big time in this episode um, through all the different relationships between the Danvers and with Kat and Kara and I, I just really liked that and I just want to also give a big shout out to whoever was live tweeting from the Supergirl staff Twitter account on Monday night because somebody made a Still Magnolias reference in their tweet and that made me <laughs> so happy to see a little Steely Mags reference. Um, they, they tweeted out something about um, Leslie and Kat in the hospital right now and had a picture of Malin and Shelby from Still Magnolias. <laughs> it made me laugh so hard. That is that, hilarious. Uh, that really just, you know, summed up that scene with uh, Leslie and Kat. So I thought that was really funny. So I... This I, I enjoyed the heck out of this episode, so um, I would like to see uh, where it goes from here. Definitely, I I mean I agree with you. Um, this is you know every episode of Supergirl so far has gotten better and better, which is you know exactly what a show should do. Like every episode should be better than the last. That's the goal. Yes, and um, and I think this is the case in in uh, with Livewire. Um, I agree that a big part of what I loved was the focus on on the female relationships. And I think the reason why it kind of stands out uh, to you, um, even though we have shows like Orange is the New Black and Girls and other like, you know, female centric shows is that this show um, presented relationships that were kind of more down to earth. And, you know, they they were more normal. It was it was mother daughter. It was sisters. It was you know a female mentor and her mentee, um, and all of those relationships that happen in day to day life, which I think is so important to see because it's not. Um, I always joke because I, I you know write and talk a lot about like sci fi and stuff and and how generally you see like women in positions of power in sci-fi and the joke is that like of course it's fiction so of course they have lots of women you know in high-ranking positions doing cool stuff yeah um but the fact that like it doesn't have to be like for, for women to have an impact it doesn't have to be this crazy circumstance where she's like you know an olivia pope where she's like the best fixer in you know whatever <laughs> or like you know any Shonda Rhimes show, pick a Shonda Rhimes show and pick a woman on it. And like, it's not, it doesn't have to be like these extreme circumstances. It's just a mother and a daughter. And that can be like the most epic thing ever. Um, it could be Cat Grant and Leslie Willis, uh, you know, trying to come to terms after Cat has mentored her wrong for years. Um, you know, and even though it's a superhero show, all of these relationships felt very down to earth and very real, which is a nice contrast from what you'd expect from a show like this. But yeah, I, I thought this episode was great. It hit all the right notes. And yeah, I think the fact that it redeemed Wynn uh, was a win for me. Because um, I've been, I've been kind of creeped out by Wynn. I got to say, the past couple of episodes, I've been like, oh, he's getting too like possessive of Kara. Like he's getting, he's getting a little too much. And like every time that 
James says anything, he has to be there with his look. And he and did he did it a little bit he in did this it li- episode when James called. With that phone call, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think I think you get the sense that like Kara and Wynn really are best friends. And so I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what helps with that for me. Yeah, and, and, and he did kiss her on the cheek, and I thought it was interesting, like, because it kind of took her aback, too. Like, she he kissed her on the cheek, and she was like, oh, hey, uh, that's never happened before, but okay. Like, she had this look on her face. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think the way he explains, like, how much uh, being invited to her Thanksgiving dinner meant to him, it's like it, it, it was clear in that moment that it was about more than just him having feelings for her. It was about he appreciated the fact that Kara – reached out to him as a friend and and he appreciated that she included him in her family considering his like lack of one and a lack of you know family holiday tradition um so it it kind of made him a more nuanced character he's not just like the puppy dog pining for her anymore he's got stuff going on that he maybe doesn't talk about he tries to be cheerful and he tries to be you know he's the nerdy guy with the toys but like there's stuff under there. And I think we got to see it for the first time. And that was really cool. Well, that does it for our discussion this week. Um, but let's find out what our listeners had to say about Livewire. At fans of Supergirl tweeted, like Christina Aguilera once say- saying, Supergirl keeps getting better. And I guess I should try to sing, you know, keeps getting better. Getting better. Um, <laughs> at WT Fangirl Blog said, best episode yet. Love these characters and how they work together and respect each other. At Dark, uh, I guess, DRK Magneto said, pretty good. Um, at MT Stun uh, said, a lot of good character development and some awesome stunts and visual effects. At Brie Quinn 23 <laughs> tweeted, I literally jumped off my bed when Livewire was electrocuting Kara. I kept shouting, get up, in my head. <laughs> uh, I know. You, so did we all. You, 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 you want to pull for her because you know she can deal with it. She's Supergirl. <laughs> um, at Mightiest Cast tweeted, I thought Livewire was dope, but her look gave me a real Anna Paquin as rogue vibe. I, I, could, I could see how you could, Interesting. you could see that. And I love how uh, Kat said she's got a Katy Perry thing going on, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> At Bailey's podcast said, seeing Helen Slater on Supergirl is awesome. Seeing Dean Cain say he knows everything about Superman, bonus. Yes. Um, At Lesbian Saf Love said, best episode yet, smiley face. I think that's a smiley face. I'm not really good with emoticons. But, uh, <laughs> I assume that's a smiley face. Um, at Crispy47 said, best episode of Supergirl yet. Love the battle with Livewire and great effects as well. At Go Space Chimp Go said, best episode yet. Nice balance of action and character development. At Mike Schmidt 09, another great episode. Wonderful character development as well as a killer villain in Livewire. We should also mention that Mike Schmidt did our awesome theme music. Um, so we appreciate his feedback. Um, at Wahoo FX said, this episode was great. Bring on more. And asked, is episode four on next week? Yeah, it does look like How Does She Do It will be airing next week because after the live wire airing, they did run the promo that they had run or that they had for How Does She Do It. So it, it looks like the same episode with... Uh, Kara kind of babysitting Cat Grant's son. So it does look like that that's going to be the episode. So we won't we won't miss it. It it just got switched. Yes. So we'll we'll get to see it next week. So um 
maybe that'll fill in some gaps of this episode. And by the way, I thought it was it was very classy of them to kind of recognize that, hey, this episode has some stuff in it that might, you know, be insensitive at this time. We'll we'll, you know, push it forward and uh, and air it a little bit later. So people have time to process that. So I thought that was a really good decision on CBS's part. Absolutely. Now, we also got a few listener questions from Twitter. <laughs> KDiddy591 asks, any chance of Margot Kidder doing a cameo on Supergirl? <laughs> that would be kind of awesome. That would be awesome. And I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility if she's available and she's still acting. Um, I, I think a good answer would be what they always tell us, that like with success, anything is possible. Exactly. Um, and I, I think if they found the right part for her, uh, she's more than willing to do it. You know, we saw her on Smallville. So it's uh, it, it's just kind of if they find something for her and she's willing to do it, uh, we don't know. They haven't told us if Margot Kidder is going to be on Supergirl, but I certainly would love to see her. That would be kind of amazing. Um, at Eric RL325 asks, what do you think are the odds that we might see a member of the Bat family eventually? Um, I actually think there there's, you know, as good a chance as any that we might, you know, we could at some point see Batgirl. I um, I think that's what everybody wants when they say Bat Family, but yeah. it it could it could be an, an, a number of uh <laughs> different members of the Bat Family, but I I I I hope it's possible. I, the only thing that's troubling with the Batman family on TV right now is because of Gotham. I don't know if they have a thing where like they won't give out certain characters to other shows um but like we saw you know with arrow uh rachel ghoul was on there um several batman characters have been on arrow firefly um so i think i think it's possible i mean anything is possible whether it's reasonable i don't know but anything is possible yeah and i don't think that uh you know uh that particular Barbara Gordon, if they are going with Barbara Gordon Batgirl, which I think is pretty much what anybody would do, um, you know, she, as far as Gotham is concerned, like Bruce Wayne is still a kid on Gotham. So, I mean, they already have kind of an older uh, Barbara, <laughs> but it's clearly not Batgirl Barbara yeah. um, because Batman is still a child at this point. So Also, Barbara's crazy. Yeah, she cray cray. Um, <laughs> she, but I, I have to say, I love that her performance in that uh, part. It's kind of amazing. Her. Love her. But um, but yeah, no. So I, I don't think that there would be any danger of like, uh, if you know, Batgirl were on Supergirl, that it would conflict with anything because, uh, you know, Batgirl is is supposed to be like a, a you know somebody that Batman mentors. Just thinking about it as well, the DCEU, like with the, the cinematic universe, there, I mean, there are rumors that Batgirl might show up with, you know, Batfleck. Um, I don't, I don't know if the Jenna Malone rumors are true, but you know, there's another thing where what if Batgirl is in the movies? Uh, can she still be on television? So I mean, although I think that question is answered because of the two flashes. So, um, so I think anything is possible and I definitely hope we do see a Batgirl on Supergirl sometime. U S underscore TV underscore addict, uh, asks, should superheroes help to clear up after a rescue? Kat reminded Kara that the plane is still in the river. Um, 
That's an interesting question uh, because do you want to call in the superheroes to deal with the mundane cleanups um, when there are people who are paid to do such things? Or do you want to reserve superheroes for the big jobs that nobody else can handle as like a better use of their time and and efforts and resources? Because if you have superheroes dealing with cleanup too, that's somebody that they're not saving, right? Like Mm -hmm. they're taking the time to deal with the plane. That means somebody's off in a fire that's not being saved or somewhere someone is like being hunted down by a crazy supervillain and they're not getting helped out. Yeah, I had actually had the same thought when Kat talked about how there were engineers trying to get the plane out of the water. And I kind of thought, well, why doesn't Supergirl go down there and just pick up the plane and move it somewhere else? So (laughs) I definitely think maybe there are instances where it would take the regular folk much longer to do and it would um, be much harder uh, for, say, the engineers to do it, that that maybe it, it would be nice if the superheroes did that. And, like, on The Flash, we saw after the whole singularity thing happened, spoiler alert for the, the season two premiere, um, that Barry goes and he tries to help rebuild some things that had been destroyed. So yes. I, th- I think some of that, like, with Barry, that was his choice. He wanted to help. He wanted to fix things. He knew he could do it in a very quick amount of time because he is the flat, the fastest man alive. So I think if Supergirl said, hey, I want to go and help do that, I think that's that's good. So I'm a little conflicted on that. It's like, well, but, you know, you, Teresa made a good point that they could be going off and doing some other superhero super heroics where people might be in danger. But at the same time, I think there's, you know, if, if you mess it up, maybe you should clean up your mess. Yeah, no, it's uh but then again, it's like the mess wouldn't have been made if the superhero hadn't gotten involved, but then also people might have died. So true, it's like, true. it's like, they've you know, they've done, you know, she did enough by saving the people on that plane. It's yeah. like, you know, it's like, is that not grateful. enough? I have yeah. to be a maid too. Um, <laughs> No, no. But I mean, it's obviously if she has the time, she should swing by and pick it up. But like she's as we're going to see in, uh, you know, the next episode, how does she do it? Um, I'm sure they're going to answer that question. How does she do it? And it might not be as easy as all that. Well, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we're available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you have some, if you have some time, and once I learn how to talk, <laughs> we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. Um, and big thanks to Superfan73 for leaving us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. And we are a part of the DC TV podcast circle. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and even DC movies, we've got a podcast for that. Subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV podcasts on Facebook. And as for me, you can find me every day at the Mary Sue. That's the Mary Sue.com, uh, where I've got not only Supergirl recaps every mon- every Tuesday, but also uh, a video series called The House of L, where I talk about different issues, uh, topics, concerns that come up for me as I'm watching Supergirl that week. And they can be varied and diverse. Uh, sometimes it'll have to do with going into the source material. Sometimes it'll have something completely 
you know, nothing to do with any of the comic material. Um, but it's always something inspired by Supergirl and that episode. So it might be fun for you to check out. Um, you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Teresa Giacino and uh, at my website where you can find me, you know, all my other social media stuff and what have you uh, at TeresaGiacino.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D, and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. Now, if you'd like to stick around for a quick spoiler section about next week's episode of Supergirl, we'll be doing that after the theme music. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Teresa Giacino. Before you eat a Thanksgiving turkey, make sure it's not radioactive. possible. Hi, Miss Grant. You're not there yet? I'm pulling up right now. What's that noise? I got the windows open. Gotta go. It was a bomb at the Lord Air Terminal. I'm on it. There's no way out from me. There's always hope. Okay, that is cool. New Supergirl, CBS Monday, or stream it live or on demand. And we're back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode uh, will be How Does She Do It? The official description for next week says, Kara's two identities are stretched thin when Supergirl must protect National City from a series of bombings and Kara is tasked with babysitting Cat's son, Carter. Also, James is conflicted when his ex-girlfriend, Lucy Lane, seeks to rekindle their relationship. Now, it's interesting because this uh, description makes what we see in the episode we just watched, Livewire, uh, it seems out of place because we see in Livewire that uh, James has gone home with Lucy for the holidays. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously James is conflicted, but he gets over being conflicted. <laughs> um, but he also calls Kara. So he's, you know, might still be conflicted. Who knows? Yeah, I I think this does fill in a little bit of a gap where Lucy is concerned. And uh, looking forward to seeing uh, Carter because we heard a little bit of Carter in this week's episode. We found out um, a little bit about his situation, like his, I don't want to say living situation, but like we know that he was celebrating Thanksgiving with his dad. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm now... Now now that I asked for Cat Grant's mom and I got her, um, I'm now asking to meet Cat Grant's, um, or I don't know. X. I, I guess. <laughs> Carter's yes, dad. X, yes. Can we meet Carter's dad? That's what I should be asking, because I don't know what the relationship is with Cat. So um, I, I hope we get to uh, not only know more about Carter, but also uh, the, the family situation there with Cat. So 
uh, I look forward to seeing all of that. Definitely. And I think it's interesting, too, to see um, Kara babysitting Carter. Um, <laughs> that's, you know, bringing the uh, the assistanting to new heights. Yes. Um, so not only is she looking after Kat at the office, but she's also taking care of her child as well, broadening her, her job description. And that's always tough for superheroes, but particularly the Superman family, I think, because there's a lot of stories out there where Superman and Lois Lane uh, might adopt a kid or have a kid, and they kind of struggle. Like, you would think those two would be, like, the best parents ever, but it's tough for them because of their jobs and the things that they're involved with with, um, in their adventures. So for Supergirl to have to take care of a kid... She would be great, I think, but will the time and her schedule and her uh, superheroing get in the way of being able to actually do that job? Well, definitely the um, uh, the title of this episode, How Does She Do It? That kind of like you see you've seen that on the covers of magazines all the time. It's like a very big like feminist question right now. Like can you know, it's all about like. Uh, Sandberg's lean in book, um, you know, talking about how women can have it all. Can you have a career and a family at the same time? How do you balance it all? How do you juggle it? Um, so it's interesting to, it's going to be interesting to put that in a like superhero context with a female hero, especially because um, I think it's interesting that like, you know, Nobody asks Batman how he does it all, you know, like nobody, nobody's like, hey, how do you do it? How do you balance your life and he your work? He just never sleeps. That's it's true. And, and also he has no friends and no life because he's brooding all the time. But, uh, you know, he just, he's like, I don't have to balance anything. I, I don't have friends. Um, that's not true. Actually, he has a whole Batman family, so actually those people could help him take the load off. So actually, <laughs> Batman could do it pretty well because he's got a lot of help. That's but, true. But yeah, so with Supergirl, um, you know, she's got the, the super friends helping her out. But <laughs> there, there are certain things I think, you know, she would be stretched a little thin. Well, um, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will be back with another episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.